0: It is Monday morning in Dallas, Texas, and Chris Stapp's Porzingis is a maverick. Whoop, whoop! Ha ha! I am Bobby Corella. That whoop, whooper was skin, Wade. skin. It is a great, great day to be alive, isn't it?
1: A lot of uh, positive momentum. Today is the day that the press conference goes down, and I know you saw it on the Twitter as well. Uh, I was in Atlanta last week. You were traveling with the team, so numbers on the boards was off the boards last week. And I like that there was uh, avid listeners out there. There was like, where's my numbers on the board? Yeah, well, we're man. bringing it to you right now, baby. Yeah,
0: well, the reason that they made that trade, actually, is because Donnie wanted to hear us talk about something. Yes. We took the week off. He's like, that is
1: that is unacceptable. Unacceptable, it boys. It is
0: time to give them some ammo. Yeah. Dude, so it is, uh, we're recording this at 1120. You said the press conference is coming up. Right now, the Mavericks are practicing right across the street from where we are and uh, Porzingis is in his little Mavs jersey. Well, I don't know if he's actually practicing, but he's there. He's at there. Least. Timmy uh, Hardaway
1: Jr. is there. Trey Burke is there. Courtney Lee is Courtney there. Courtney Lee is there. Dude, it is.
0: I'm so excited. I'm still smiling just about what happened. And I, I want to talk about, like, the day the trade went down and everything. But mm-hmm. just first initial thoughts. Whenever it happened, and now that you've had kind of the weekend to think about it, yeah. just what what do you think about this whole thing? It's been a whirlwind, but what is, what is your take right now?
1: Well, my take right now is that you went in this league with, for lack of a better term, franchise changers. And in less than basically nine months, the Mavericks went from none to two. Now, Dirk obviously is a franchise changer, but he's in his 40s. So I'm talking about, you know, if you look at the way teams are being constructed now and who people want to play with... The Mavericks now have, I would argue, two players under the age of 25, two top 10 players under the age of 25. So your window just opens widely for a long period of time. And um, I think, uh, you know, I think he wants to be here. I think Luka obviously wants to be here. And I think putting those two guys together is really going to make Dallas a destination uh, for years to come. This is really incredible. And it's – do are we considering? Uh, are we calling Luca a point guard now? Are we okay with this? I are think we that's okay now? The two hardest positions to get is you get your big and you get your point. Your stretch big. You're stretch big. Uh, and also, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners watch Knicks basketball, but he's great on the block too. If you want to do those things, I had these visions of the elbow two man game coming back. Oh yeah, uh, with those two guys. So it's just he's such. They're both such talented offensive players. And uh, Porzingis is obviously a big rim protector. So I, I just, I'm just i so optimistic and so impressed with what Donnie Nelson has done here. Kudos, man. This is really exciting times.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the big storyline of this whole season to this point, right, has been you have your two best young players, but their skill sets kind of – you know, we say that there's a chance that they will eventually – be able to coexist right, right. Dennis and Luca and, that and I, I personally think they would have yeah for sure I think so too and I think Dennis is going to put up great numbers in New York but uh, there's no question of that with Luca and Porzingis right I mean Luca is the guy with the ball yes. Porzingis is the guy that's going to set screens for him they're going to force switches they're going to run pick and pops pick and rolls I mean they their games complement each other so well right they get along great off the floor they really admire each other and everything so this just seems like such a a natural, easy pairing.
1: Let me give everybody an example of complimenting players. So Oklahoma City had a decision to make. Now everyone looks at it now and goes, well, they made the wrong decision. It's easy to say that. But Oklahoma City had Kevin Durant, they had Russell Westbrook, and they had James Harden. Instead of keeping Harden, they chose to keep Serge Ibaka because they're like, well, Durant and Westbrook can do what Harden can do. Right? So they instead signed Ibaka. And so you sit there and go, well, wait, that's a bad decision. Well, clearly they're trying to get players to complement one another. And that's what this decision's about. Dennis can play. I mean, Dennis can absolutely play, but what you're doing is is you're addressing a bigger need and you're also expanding your offensive repertoire by changing out those two players. And as much as I like Dennis, I'm not going to sit here and try to argue that he's a top – 20 player in the league under the no. age of 25 no. he's a good player really good player that will I think develop into a, a great player but Porzingis is there already and he totally matches the skill set of what Luka can do and it just opens up possibilities but yeah
0: and you talked about Dennis being a top 20 under 25 assuming Porzingis's knee comes back fine and he plays next season blah 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 he could be a top twenty player in the, in the league. league. Not, Both of these, guys. not under twenty. Luca, right. Luca no. is already there. In you're my right. Opinion. You're I mean, I'm not trying right. to just like hype this guy just to, to ridiculous lengths. But Luca is already one of the fifteen or twenty best players in the league. And Porzingis, <sighs> are you okay? Has <sighs> you're hundred percent sold on that. I believe that absolutely. I mean, offensively I think he's one of sure. yes. I think he's yeah. one of the
1: fifteen best offensive players in the league. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I, we, I, I can't remember if we did this on the podcast or if I did this on my radio show, but I threw out there, I was like, within three seasons, this is true or false. Within three seasons, Luke will be one of the three best offensive players in the league, true or false? And I was saying true because, you know, at some point, all due respect, LeBron will come down a little in bit. in
0: three years, Steph is 33, 34. Right.
1: And so then you're talking about, all right, him, the Greek freak, and is KD still in there? Is Harden still at that level? Is Harden still in that level? But the whole point is that you enter a realm of complete and utter dominance. Yeah. Uh, And so – Dude, we're
0: there. He has 30 points in four of his last
1: five games. It's crazy. I mean – It's crazy. He's,
0: like, accelerating his game – in two months what it takes many players years to do
1: when we're so excited like this we have a million topics going at once and we try to figure out which lane to get in yeah i want to keep talking porzingis but we okay. need to get back to what luca did in cleveland at the end of this podcast okay. yeah we do because that, that was, was special
0: that was a 12 minutes of just uh awesomeness yeah, and there's great.
1: a reason for that that we've got to get into okay
0: okay we'll get there uh but yeah with porzingis like you said he can post guys up he can pick and pop, too. So his pick, his catch-and-shoot numbers, uh, Mike Machine Marshall found this, actually. Did you see
1: who liked his tweet? Chris Tapps.
0: Yes, yes, it. yes. Yeah, yes. so uh, his catch-and-shoot points per possession, basically, last season in New York, before he got injured, he played, what, 50 games? 40, that sounds about right. It was a games, February so, injury. Yeah, so 48, 50 games, something like that. Um, his catch-and-shoot point per possession last season would have ranked second in the NBA so far this year, and shooting and scoring is just way out of this world this year. Porzingis was at that level last year, and that was playing for New York, who, no disrespect, their starting point guard was Jarrett Jack, who is not at the same level as Luka. Right. And he was playing in a more, uh, I guess, conservative, traditional offensive system where it was a lot of 20-footers, not 25-footers, mm-hmm. from the behind the three-point line. And he shot three-pointers at 40% last year. Yeah. So I would imagine... That that's going to go up even a little more next year. Getting the ball from Luca, right? Playing in more space, shooting more threes. I mean, just but he has the skill set already. At just twenty three years old, he'll be twenty four on opening night uh, next year to be one of the best catch and shoot players, let alone post up or anything else, isolation,
1: right. any of that. He's already like. Dirk sure. level production, okay. and catch and shooting. I'm glad you said Dirk level production because that's where I want to go with this. Let's put it in some parlance that our listeners have seen with their own brain. One of the things about Dirk is that at seven feet, it's hard to close out on that guy because of his size, right? Well, when the attention, I've always said this, you know, we saw with Monte Ellis. This is what I was arguing. I have a few friends that write nationally. That when we acquired Monte Ellis, they were, oh, my God, Monte sucks, and he's inefficient. fish. I was like, you guys don't know what it's like playing with Dirk. Go, go ask Jason Terry. Jason Terry's going to have his number retired because he played off of Dirk. So the defenses are so concerned about Dirk that it gives these guys wide open lanes and wide open looks. If you're a good shooter like Jet, you pull up and you knock it down going right all day long. If you're a good penetrator like Monte, you're going to hit those creases because they're there because you cannot leave Dirk. And all if you due do, it's an automatic three points. It's an automatic bucket. And all due respect to Jet and Monte, they ain't sniffing Luca. So if Deon if you're coming off of DeAndre Jordan screen, the defense is not worried about DeAndre getting the ball. They're worried about him rolling. Okay? If you're coming off of a Porzingis screen, they have to worry about you rolling and they have to worry about you popping. Because if you pop, that big cannot help on Luca. And as we've seen with Luca, he throws over the top so well, Porzingis will take so many clean, open shots that it will be indefensible. It will very much be like Nash and Dirk in the early days. Yeah,
0: one, the best part about it as well is – you know, he mostly plays power forward, and I assume he will going forward here. I mean, that that just is what it is. So you're going to have a five-man, and ideally it's somebody who's similar to, like, Maxi or somebody like that who can also shoot so that you're playing spread, but... Either way, probably your biggest and best defender is going to be on Porzingis, and Mm -hmm. your other best defender is going to be on Mm Luca. If they're running a pick and pop and Porzingis is stepping out 30 feet from the basket, Porzingis' guy is staying with him. Luca's guy is chasing Luca, which leaves three defenders to stop Luca, the freight train, going to the rim. And if any of those guys slide over, he can pass and find the open shooter. Or the best case scenario is because your biggest defender is on Porzingis and another big guy is on Luca. It's probably going to be a small guy sliding over to help, and he's not going to offer much help. Right. Whereas with DeAndre this season, and again, DeAndre is one of the best rim rollers. Dwight Powell, great rim roller. But whenever you have a rim runner, the big man is under the basket, and it's tough to finish over, over those guys. Right. So there's just so much more space, and the, the size, the way that they have – you you talk about this all the time. It's not about small ball. It's about skill ball. Right. So they got two super big guys now that are both very skilled, they're going to demand large players defend them as well. So you're just, like, inverting the floor. You're putting their biggest defender as far away from the basket as possible. Where he doesn't like to be. Yeah, leaving only little guys to help. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's just that in and of itself is a problem. So Porzingis never has to run, to roll to the rim. Yeah. He, can just, he can camp out 25 feet away and just get buckets all day.
1: Did you um, – have uh, you talked much or paid much attention to how Milwaukee's doing what they're doing? offensively and yes, defensively pure space it's pure space and then on defense they are and we, you brought up these numbers earlier and I've used them with people I haven't talked to you about them in months but where the Mavericks were forcing guys into the mid-range one of the things Milwaukee does defensively is since Brook Lopez can't move they're funneling everything and pushing it towards the rim where they lead the league and defensive field goal percentage inside the restricted area because Brooke Lopez is huge I can foresee the Mavericks doing a similar thing. A similar thing defensively. We're on off uh, on offense. Porzingis is pulling guys away, and on defense, we're funneling towards the rim, where you have a seven-three guy that moves his feet pretty well, protecting that basket. It's going to be fun to not only see how they create space offensively, but where they funnel things defensively, because I think that's like one of the most interesting stories about Milwaukee's you know, uh, dominance this year that people aren't talking about is what they are doing defensively with the pieces that they have. I can foresee the Mavericks doing something similar. Yeah, and against
0: most teams, you can afford to just sag way beneath the screen the way that Brooke Lopez does. If your big man is setting a screen at the top of the the arc and you're having to defend Giannis, who isn't that much, he's not that great of a pull-up shooter Right. right now in his career. Right. That's two non-shooters involved in a play. So, Lopez – well, obviously, Lopez is on Giannis's team. But I'm saying in this example, if it's a big and a non-shooter, you can sag way beneath, right? right. But if the guy with the ball is awesome off the pull-up, Steph. and the guy setting the screen – or Luca, Yeah. And the guy setting the screen is a 40% three-point shooter, you can't sag. No. So, the Mavericks will be able to defend teams in ways that they can't defend them. And the good thing about Luca's game, too, is he's getting so good in the pull-up that even if you do sag underneath, he can beat you, too. Yeah. Like, they just – Luca solves so many problems, and Porzingis solves even more of them. Like, that, those two alone together, regardless of who else is on the team, and we'll get to that soon too because these other guys that came in the trade aren't so bad either. Yeah. But uh, those two alone are an offense that can get you top half in the league. Now, if you surround them with some pretty good players too, that gets you in top ten, top five. I mean, don't forget Monte and Dirk in that 2013-14 season. Mm-hmm. They had Calderon, great shooter. Sam Dallenberg, not much of a rim runner. I mean, right. you know, he's, he was good on defense, good rebounder, but not that great on offense. And then Sean Marion, who was not a three-point shooter. That was still the second-best offense in the NBA yes. because of Monte and Dirk. So, yes. I mean, you get, like, Hardaway, Courtney Lee, who's never shot below 37% for his career from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are guys that can shoot. And uh, they got a bunch of other shooters on the roster, too. I mean, this, is, this has the makings of a very, very, very good offense for a very, very long
1: time. Open that water there, Bob. Okay. O- open that water. I'd like to uh, toast. Oh, we toast them? Yeah, toast to the bright, bright future of the two young stars oh and everyone rolling with them. That's Congratulations. Right. Take a sip.
0: Ah. Good days. Man, we've come a long way since about uh, eight months ago whenever we were drinking concoctions out of a crock pot. I forgot about that. That
1: was disgusting.
0: Who could have ever guessed? You're welcome, by the way, out there. You are welcome that that brought us Luca. But who could have guessed it would have also brought the Mavs Porzingis?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so the way we've been kind of phrasing this, where it's like, you know, look at what Donnie's done in eight or nine months of time. I can remember about a year ago, though, praising the fact that they went from no real high first-round picks, maybe, you know, obviously the one with Dennis – to accumulating a lot of lottery talent. Now, New Noel didn't work out, but they acquired him. Uh, Harrison Barnes, they acquired him. Dennis Smith Jr., they acquired him. And these were all young, lottery talent caliber players below, you know, the age of 25 at the time. And I marveled at that because they didn't have a lot of assets to work with in order to do it. And they had traded away picks. And then here we are, lo and behold, they've taken all that and they've flipped that into legitimate franchise changing players. Yeah. Um I am uh, 100 percent convinced based on our history and how we deal with medical issues that uh, Porzingis has like, in other words, injury happens for a couple of reasons. Right. One is chance. Another one is uh, structurally compromised. And I am convinced that if Porzingis does have injuries in the future, it falls into the realm of chance as opposed to structurally compromised. Otherwise, the Mavericks don't make this deal. Uh, and they've done the physicals and everything, and we're having a press conference. If they looked and they were worried, this deal would not have gone through. And there's precedent for that. If those that don't remember, Tyson Chandler was traded to the Thunder. The Thunder looked at him and said, no, we can't do this. Bad decision on their part. But yeah. still, those things have happened. And uh, and so I, I just feel really good. I know a lot of people are like, well, wait, he's not playing. What about the injury? I don't think that's a concern.
0: Yeah, I mean, just Casey Smith, for example, him alone. I mean, he was the trainer for the Olympic team. So clearly this guy is at like the very top of his profession.
1: And and, and let me give you an example. Uh, For those that don't, I know people on the outside think certain things. Chandler Parsons was really well liked here. Like just ask staffers or people, and they've all got stories about Chandler doing something awesome for their kids. Or he was very well liked. But the Mavericks, you know, were like, I don't know that we can give a max deal to a guy with this injury history. Other teams were willing to. Portland offered him a max deal. Memphis offered him a max deal. Poor guy. Well, I mean, I personally like Chandler quite a bit, but it never worked out physically for him. That is a history to show you. If the Mavericks don't – I mean, they needed that player. They needed a playmaking guy. They needed a guy who could do the things that Chandler could do, but they weren't willing to take that risk based on his medical history. Here they are. They're doing it. They've given up a lot to do it. So I think that should sort of, you know, help people's fears about, well, what about the knee, How about the knee? Look at their history. They don't do these things if it doesn't add up.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. That, that, is, that kind of, like, soothes my worry, too, because obviously whenever you, whenever you hear Porzingis, right, you think dude was an all-star. Mm-hmm. But the dude tore his ACL, mm-hmm. and he's seven foot three. Mm-hmm. That's a big man. Yep, and big men struggle with knees and feet. I mean, that is just something that always Dirk watch for Bill- the first five years of his career sprained his ankle like every, every
1: game. Watch Bill Walton just try to
0: get up out of a chair and walk across the room. Yeah, dude. And I mean, Porzingis is the tallest guy in the NBA. Yeah. So, you know, the natural worry as a sports fan or just as a basketball observer is big man suffers one knee injury he's gonna have a whole lot more right and hopefully that isn't the case of course but the Mavericks do have the infrastructure in place to work with him to help minimize the risk and hopefully rehab him to uh 150 percent which will likely be next season they've already come out and said he's not playing this year right um but the fact that they're optimistic about him playing not just playing next year but playing next year for the Mavericks is a good thing too because I, he, is a, he is a free agent coming up this summer.
1: I would be, you know, there's, we don't need to get into collective bargaining agreement gymnastics right now, but those reports that came out that he was going to quote unquote take the qualifying offer, let me just say without breaking stuff down, the idea that someone would take a, agree to go, I'm taking the qualifying offer in six months or five, doesn't work yeah. like that. The only reason you take the qualifying offer is you hate the place where you are. Or B, you're getting lowballed on a contract. There's no other reason to take a qualifying offer, it's one of those two things. So what of those two things materialized in the three hours that the trade happened where I'm taking the qual That was bad reporting, and I think the people who reported it don't have a good understanding of the collective bargaining agreement. Because I talked to other people who are like, I don't even understand the report. It doesn't make sense. Mm. So if you've read that stuff, don't be worried about any of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's all good. And, I mean, look, the Mavericks are going to have to do what they can to keep Porzingis happy, Yes, right? absolutely. But uh, you know who helps keep guys happy is uh, – Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki. So I think that there's already a lot of stuff in place to help keep that guy happy.
1: Have you thought about this at all? Like, I know everyone's talking about this being Dirk's last year because of the way the All-Star thing's going down and the way his season's gone down. I don't know what Dirk is going to do next, but I could see him do something similar to what Michael Young does for the Rangers he works for the front office. He travels a lot. He spends time with his kids. He comes and goes as he needs kind of like to. like
0: consultant sort of yeah,
1: thing. Yeah, but he's very vital to what they do. And I just could see Dirk being that same thing. And one of the things I think I could see Dirk doing is I think I could see Dirk enjoying working with Porzingis on his game. And, and like a player development type capacity. You know, Finley does... He's like a special assistant to Donnie Nelson, but I can see Dirk specifically enjoying that part of it. And one thing I've noticed is he spends a lot of time sitting in between coaches that he used to not do. Yeah, could be coincidence. Could be uh, maybe he's just more interested in staying involved in the game. But I just, as I look over there and I see that, it makes me wonder about how he sees his future and the things that he's interested. Yeah,
0: in. I've always thought for so long that after he was done playing, that he would want to be kind of. Someone's Holger, yes, right? yes, you would want to pay it forward a little bit. And obviously, there are not a lot of people in the NBA that could be a Dirk, and that Dirk could be their Holger. But if, if you're going to make the list, you're starting with Porzingis, absolutely right? Tall it, it's guy. interesting, I mean, just a tall me. guy who can shoot. And so, Dirk may hear this and go, You burgers are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Sweden for six months, but you know, and who I'm could saying? blame him? Yeah, as long as he's there in the summer, I wouldn't go to Sweden in the winter. No, nah, I probably wouldn't either, but Germany. Kenya, there's a whole lot of places that he could go where he has family ties. I think he's going to travel and the enjoy beach, that. Just Oh, my God, yeah. The, the beach. There's a whole lot of them. Yeah. But, uh, he could go he there, He could too. probably
1: rent Turks and Caicos if he needed to. Yeah. He probably just owns, like, half of it. At <laughs> he probably owns the Caicos. Yeah. I don't know about the, that. Not the Turks part. Yeah, the not,
0: not the Turks part. Or maybe that, too. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I could see... I mean, I don't want to volunteer Dirk into a job that he doesn't want, but... I mean, if he's going to spend time around Dallas anyway, it's a pretty short drive down to the facility, and Porzingis will be there probably every day. The man loves basketball. He does, and I I think he really does like Porzingis too. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of players in the NBA, and we're really seeing that this year now that this is kind of like the the victory lap, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, there are a lot of players that admire Dirk. Yes. I mean, just the other night in Cleveland, Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance came in and got stuff signed. That was cool. Yeah, that was really cool, and, and that stuff happens all the time especially with European players, two seasons ago, I think two seasons. When was Romo on the maps? Was That, two uh, that was two seasons ago. Okay, yeah, so that, that game they played uh, against the Nuggets. I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't know if anybody even remembers that there was an opponent that night, but the Nuggets <laughs> were the opponent, and Wancho Hernan Gomez was in his rookie season at the time or his second year, and uh, that was one of his first times going up against Dirk, and he got Dirk to sign some shoes and give it to him.
1: I mean, European players – idolize him think about the significance too of nance jr going in there because dirk hit his thirty thousandth point over him yeah and so that was like that's pretty awesome because a lot of guys would be like oh i yep. want a part of that nance Jr. is like oh my god you're the goat yeah absolutely that happened over me yeah that,
0: that nance feels lucky man but uh i mean a lot of players look up to dirk but as as is the case with any great person and he's a great human but i mean great like with a capital g like someone who is accomplished uh there are not many people that they would look at and say yes i want to be their mentor you know Mm -hmm. they're pretty choosy right and uh i think porzingis is at the level that dirk would be able to say you know what i respect that guy i want to work with him i want to help him get even better
1: yep hey uh, uh I tell you what before I want to get to that Lucas stuff can we let's talk about the other guys that are coming in the trade okay uh Tim Hardaway jr so this is the first time is this the first time in NBA history a father or son have played for the same team uh I don't think so okay um, this is
0: the fourth time that a father and son have both played with the same teammate that being oh. Dirk okay so Dirk played with uh, senior in 2001 2002 yeah, that sounds about right and uh, junior obviously now and junior can play I know the thing is like, whenever you get players from teams with losing records, you mm-hmm. think like, oh, these guys must suck. But remember watching the Mavericks last year, who JJ was awesome, Dirk was really good, Dwight Powell was great, Harrison Barnes put up good numbers. Like even teams with losing records have really good players.
1: I, I didn't mean to uh, make this. Hey, how many times can I bring up Monte Ellis in a podcast? <laughs> but when you look at a player's uh, context matters, and everything context matters. And so when you look at a guy's numbers, go, well, this is an inefficient player. It's like, okay, he's inefficient because, like he's inherently inefficient and can't stop being inefficient, or who is he playing with? What is the situation that he's in? And so if you look at Hardaway Jr. and look at his numbers, you go, okay, that's a gunner, puts up bad shots. Well, man, then you watch that team play and you go, man, everybody's putting up bad shots. So if you take a guy that has talent and you put him in a different circumstance, then those numbers can change. That effectiveness can change. That efficiency can change. Yep. I think the sorts of abilities that he has are very, very usable. And then I think also, you know, people that are into this stuff get way into the contracts and, well, look, the contract exists in a different space. Whatever actually happens on the floor happens on the floor. Is he a usable contributing player to this team? Absolutely he is. And it's probably one of the most under-talked-about parts of this trade is that Tim Hardaway Jr. can really contribute to this team. Yeah, for
0: sure. One thing that he's doing really well this year is actually pulling up off the dribble and shooting. He's doing a lot of, I wouldn't call it creation because he's not creating for other people, but Mm -hmm. a lot of his game... Is stems from basically taking a ball screen and shooting, mm-hmm. stepping into space, whether that's beyond the three-point line or in the mid-range. And the Knicks, their Roman this year, or, Porzingis, or not Porzingis because he's been out, but they had Cantor, mm-hmm. who's not playing anymore. So it's mostly Noah Vonley and Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, yeah. and that's pretty much it. So, yeah. I mean, you're not really... Um, your partner in the pick and roll is not really doing you a, a solid as far as just giving you extra space to work with, right? right? Because the, the the defense is not rotating their way or anything. Uh, and so the fact that he's done so well pulling up off the dribble is pretty impressive to me. His catch and shoot stuff, not that great this year, but whenever he was in Atlanta, it was really good playing mm-hmm. for Mike Budenholzer. Uh, and then, two this season, again, no disrespect to the Knicks, but their point guards the last few years have – Not really been there. I mean, Jared Jack last season, and then this year Trey Burke is coming off the bench. Trey Burke has been playing very well, Mm -hmm. but his minutes don't overlap a lot with Hardaway. It's a lot of Nilakina in the starting lineup, Mm -hmm. and is a young guy who's learning the ropes. Yeah, Yeah. guys like Kadeem Allen and Damian Dotson are playing on the wing with them, and and Courtney Lee hasn't been playing at all for them. So there aren't a lot of polished players around him who, for Hardaway as a shooter, really needs guys to help set him up. He's creating himself, which is great, but getting open looks is a lot easier than pulling up from 22. Absolutely. So playing with Luca, Brunson, and some of these guys will really do him some good, I think, too. Yeah,
1: I think so, too. And I, I think, you know, you, so you mentioned just by going through it, the other two guys in this trade, you know, when Trey Burke came out of college, you're a Michigan guy, so you probably am. watch a lot of him. And a lot of Tim Hardaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I thought about, I was like, you know, and I, I mean this with high regard, it's like Trey Burke has a chance to be a J.J. Barea type because he was a big time high pick and roll player at Michigan. Yep. Like when he had the ball, that's what you saw him doing. And the way he would aggressively try to score reminded me a lot of J.J. And other Yes. That's you know, an obvious one. And so he had to bounce around. I, you know, Utah drafted him. I think he went to Washington for a little bit. Um And then, you know, kind of got his groove going back a little bit in New York. But it is kind of interesting that J.J. goes down, and now he's here. And I think, you know, depending on what Rick does with lineups and stuff, I think he has a chance to kind of fill that J.J. role with the second unit for these next 30 games or whatever we have left to see if, okay, is this a fit long-term because Trey Burke is only under contract for this season. Mm. Uh, And then you mentioned Courtney Lee. Go look and see if you can find anywhere in any press clippings or anything Courtney Lee bitching over the last few seasons. Dude, new team every year, but the guy is still just produced every year. He's a high-character guy, and he's also – I know him a little bit because he was really good friends with Chandler Parsons. They work out together in the summer, so he actually came to Dirk's Heroes event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the year that uh, the Friday night, he was just hanging. OK, so like there was one night where two chains performed and Des Bryant showed up and all this stuff. Well, Courtney was there just hanging out with Chandler because they're buddies. They yeah. work out together. Right. And man, he is a he's just a high character guy. Always says the right things, puts in the work ethic and all that stuff. And you just won't find him bitching about his situation, even though a lot of players in his situation would openly bitch. Well, to localize it a
0: little more, not localize it, but to keep it within the Knicks locker room, uh, Lee's played 12 games for them this season, not because of injury, but because they're just trying to rebuild youth movement, all that stuff. They're also not playing Ennis Cantor a whole lot of minutes, and Cantor's in the news all the time. That's a great point. And Cantor's really good. Yeah, He might, he might even be a little better than Courtney Lee as an NBA player. I don't know, but uh, Lee's not on the record complaining at all. No, you won't find him. All yeah, you'll do
1: is find him saying nice things. Yeah, he's
0: kind of like Devin Harrisy in that regard, and yeah. that he's just a real solid vet. You know exactly what you're going to get when you put him on the floor, and he right. plays well. And there's some really, really good highlights of him. Uh on a playoff run with Memphis in 2015, that was the last time he's been in the playoffs, I believe. He was with Charlotte the year after, I think, and then the last two seasons in New York.
1: Aggressive defender, spot-up shooter.
0: Yeah, and a, a guy who's five, multi-positional defender, too. Yeah. And that's what you need. So, right now, your wing depth, uh, and, and Burke, too, I do want to say, there's with, with Luca on the bench, he's played a lot with the second unit guys and with the starters, of course. But for those, like, 12 to 16 minutes when he's on the bench, they really struggle to create shots. Yes. And part of that is missing J.J. a whole lot. Yes. And and Burke, again, is not, like, the passer that J.J. is. J.J. is a wizard. He's been doing this for a really long time. But Burke can score like J.J., like you said.
1: I think to your point, if you go back and watch J.J. when he was Burke's age, you'll see even more similarities. Yeah. J.J. picked that up later. Yeah, the passing really came once he came back to Dallas. Yes. Yeah, so – if I don't know how the
0: starting lineup is going to shake out, I would I would bet that Burke is coming off the bench. I would too. Uh, I don't know about Hardaway and Lee where they fit in or how they fit in. I because right. obviously Luka's starting. I would I would guess Brunson keeps starting. Uh, Finney Smith probably still going to start. Maybe Maxi. I don't know. I was I was really happy to see him start the other day. Yeah, I played well. Yeah, but and and Barnes of course too. So that's your five. So those five could all start, mm-hmm. or you could you know shift guys around and put Hardaway or Lee in the starting lineup, but. If you bring Burke and Hardaway both off the bench, that's like instant offense off yes. the bench immediately.
1: I agree. I love that
0: idea. Yeah, and if you, if you put Hardaway in the starting lineup in favor of Finney-Smith or something, then you get a little more offense in there while still keeping some shooting coming off the bench too. So yep. it's weird to think that a team with Luka needs offense, but the Mavs yeah. did need some offense. And, can't,
1: so and this is the whole the, going back to the beginning why it's so great to get Porzingis. Yeah. I mean, you put two dominant offensive players together and whoo.
0: Yeah, got something really good. Absolutely, and so now their their wing stable is, and obviously this is subject to change because we're about to get to the trade deadline, and then after the trade deadline, there's a summer, and then after the summer, that's whenever they actually play basketball. Right. So by the time Porzingis debuts, it might be different. But as it stands right now, the Mavs wing rotation uh, to in in some order is Luca, Barnes. Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian, uh, Dorian, and then you got Maxie and Devin Harris who can both defend wings and mm-hmm. basically play. I mean, Harris plays 2-3, Maxie right. plays 3-4, Right. and broke off. I mean, that's eight guys on your roster that can defend two, three positions and play three, sometimes even four positions on offense. I mean, they went from last year having like two guys on the roster between 6-4 and 6-10 to now having like eight. <laughs> eight players that can play
1: on the wing you know i know i don't think rick would go this way but i'm so intrigued by having luca be my smallest player oh dude and just doing the whole let's switch every screen and roll and yeah I because
0: mean, you could go luca barnes finney smith maxi porzingis yes do see,
1: I, I like that sort of stuff. Yeah. They don't consult me on these things, and yeah. I have no experience like in a game making decisions, so screw me. Yeah, But uh, that sort of stuff really intrigues me. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it's going to be really interesting, too, because depending on, obviously, you read reports, the trade deadline exists, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the summer, too, the Mavs will have a little flexibility no matter what they do at the trade deadline. So it'll be really interesting to see the kinds of players that they – Think can fit around Luka and Porzingis? Do you try and get another big man that can defend fives? Do you say Porzingis is bought end at playing five? Let's get a bunch of wings and shooting. I mean, it's going to def- be really interesting to see what happens. I think
1: like, you know, I think you can play two positions at the same time. You can be an offensive uh, four and a defensive five. So to me... Porzingis is my defensive five. If, you know, as I look at these things, and if this, if just say the team stayed exactly the same, Maxi, I would have defending fours. That's the way I would do it. Um, because I think, I don't, I don't think there's any real centers that Porzingis isn't going to be able to cover. Um, so, and then offensively, obviously, Porzingis then becomes a four for you in your system. And, um, you know, the other thing too is, are you wanting to put like a smaller, ferocious rebounder? Not, I'm not uh, saying go get these players, but Kenneth Freed instantly has an impact in Houston. Like Montrez Harold, Harrell. Harrell. Kind of, yeah. You know, do you want a guy that just, all he does is aggressively go get rebounds and you don't care about the size. You just put this tenacious type mauler pitbull of a player out there alongside Porzingis. Because yeah. Porzingis is not a good rebounder. Yeah. He's an okay rebounder. Yeah, I mean, he's
0: averaging, what, five, six a game. And I think that's one thing that they'll miss with DeAndre a oh whole God, lot yes. is DeAndre was able to get three, four rebounds a game that no other Mavs center in recent memory could have got.
1: If if, uh, if they decided to bring DeAndre back in uh, the offseason, would you por- foresee liking DeAndre and Porzingis next to one another? Or is I think that they're, too cluttered to you?
0: games complement each other offensively, because one is going toward the rim and one is not. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It would be it would be interesting to see. I Do mean, you need that? I'm not like I'm not against size. I'm I, not I know everybody is obsessed with small ball, and that's great. And I think when it comes time to the playoffs, you're not playing non shooters more than like 15, 20 minutes a game, right? But size wins in the regular season. It yeah. always has, and I think it always will. And so I have no problem with putting like a true five, like I mean DeAndre, for example, if he were still here, mm-hmm. or even like yeah, I mean I don't know who's. Capella types. I mean, those guys yeah. that, oh, that dude, really aren't shooters.
1: A Capella type plays 40 minutes a night for me, no matter what or who I'm playing.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe not 40. United 35. Tibbs.
1: 34. <laughs> yeah, 34. 30-30. In the playoffs. That. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you just say, okay, we're going to dominate you. Because yeah. now if you have Porzingis playing 7'3", tallest guy in the league, you could play bully ball, or you could play five out. I mean, it people gives you the forget, flexibility to do people,
1: both. People forget that before Durant turned his back on competition, <laughs> Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma City bullied the crap out of the yeah, Golden dude, State Warriors. Durant and had them, Abaca, Adams
0: was killing them.
1: They had them beat. They had them beat. So I don't want to hear all this. You can't do it this one way. I just don't buy into that yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Golden State breaks the rules. They don't say yeah.
1: And I don't mean they're
0: cheating. It's just they it's they a have different animal. offense. Yeah. yeah. It'll never happen again. So it'll be interesting to see. Do you get a non-shooting big or a shooting big? Or do you get no big at all? Uh, it'll, it'll, I'm, I'm really curious to see. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here, because yep. I know you got a radio show and I got a press conference to Let's go to. Let's do this. Um, but uh, being in Detroit, so I was on this road trip. And uh, for those that remember the timing of this whole thing, uh, okay, first I'll, I'll – tell my side of the story so i'm in my detroit hotel room okay uh the game i believe started at seven uh-huh uh, which means the bus yes. is leaving at four forty-five local time so this is eastern time so three forty-five dallas time if you're right. keeping track of twitter so i gotta get on the bus at about 4 30 to make sure that i'm on the bus by the time it leaves to go to the arena so that i don't miss the bus to the game and you know stay at this fancy hotel so uh i'm in my hotel room packing up all my stuff it's probably like 3.15, 4.15 Detroit time. And I'm like, you know what? I probably ought to take a shower because I haven't today <laughs> because I'm a lazy. What a grinder. I'm a lazy POS. Oh, yeah, because I've been working so hard. Yeah, That's yeah, why. Yeah. That's, I, I hadn't been playing video games. Uh, and I see Zach Lowe tweet, quote tweeting Woj, basically saying, like, keep an eye on the Spurs. I'm like, what is he talking about? Keep an eye on the Spurs. And it's Woj saying that Porzingis might be dealt or Shams mm-hmm. or whoever it was. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And they listed a bunch of teams that are interested in this guy, whatever, whatever. The Spurs, the Heat, I think the Celtics, and a bunch of other teams, the Raptors. Yep, not the Mavs. Yeah, not the Mavs. Yep. And I texted Mike immediately after I saw that tweet and said, they're not listing Mavs as a potential suitor. Thumbs up emoji. Because I knew that meant, obviously, we, we were work talking in to silence. It. Yeah, yeah. The Mavs were working. So if you're seeing the Mavs, it's not true. Right. So I was like, yes. They're not saying the Mavs are interested. Thank God. So then I go, turn the shower on, do all my stuff, whatever. And then I check my phone one last time and it says Stein has just dropped the bomb of all bombs saying that he's going to be a Mav. And I'm like, holy crap. Yes. So then I call my dad. I'm talking to Mike. My phone's blowing up. You and I are texting each other. It all is happening so quickly. And then it's like five minutes to bus time. And I'm like, I still have to take a shower. (laughs) So I did all that stuff and I go down on the bus and there's like nobody on the bus. And I'm thinking, no, oh, that's weird. There's no players. And then I remember, well, ha- I mean, they just traded three guys. Right, And then right. they have to they have to wave one more. So right. there's four fewer players on the team. And that's when it kind of hit me, like, we got a lot of guys, but it also means that we say, say, goodbye. Lo- say goodbye to a lot of players. And I had seen Wes earlier in the day. Actually, just like an hour or two before that, I went downstairs to get some food. And uh, Wes was, like, kind of walking past me on his phone, and it sort of looked – he didn't look, like, normal, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if he was getting the news then or He knew something was up. Yeah, I mean, because he was just kind of scrolling and sort of this, like, kind of, I don't know, exasperated look or something. And I thought, well, it is really cold. Yeah. That's what I thought at the time. (laughs) Like, it's minus 40. This sucks. But it might have been. Agents are always so
1: involved in this. Yeah, I mean, uh, it might have been. They let their players know what's going on.
0: Yeah. So so it was tough. But it it was just, like, so kind of – Seeing this stuff up close, you heard stories about the Devin Harris trade yeah, last year, uh, people at shoot around when yeah. it happens. Were you there for that? I was not. I was not. I was at home, thankfully. That would have sucked to be there in person. But uh, the excitement of the trade happening juxtaposed with like the everybody's sadness. I mean, people on the bus are really excited, but they're also really sad because like you spent three years with Wes. Think about think about a guy like Dorian. His yeah, best dude, friend is Dorian's leaving. Dorian's best friend on the team got yeah. traded. And yeah. And it's just like, I mean, Dennis, everybody's so excited for the future. And Dennis last year was so great and so many exciting plays. And you think, man, this is going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden it's just gone. It's gone. It was just really, I don't know, it was really weird. And what was even weirder is that on the bus, like Salah sitting like two rows in front of me. You got Keith Smith from Yahoo, I guess, reporting that they're going to waive Sala. And I'm like, w- wait a minute. Yeah. Salah's right there. Like, clearly he's not being waived. Right. but People are reporting all this stuff. And it's right. just like. All these things are happening all around you, and you're like, "Well, I'm right here," and this is like, it's just so weird. Like, not even Sarah and Scott knew what was happening, and they're the team PR. But yeah, like, that's how secretive the Mavs
1: are about this stuff is. They don't tell anybody, the, the, anybody ever. The guy who's regarded as most informed guy in Woj is tweeting the guy, the teams that are inv- that are interested in a deal that's already happened. Yeah, because the deal doesn't happen in five minutes. The deal's already happened, and the most informed guy supposedly, and the NBA is not even listing the team. It was crazy, dude. Uh, It it is crazy. Uh, And if you haven't seen it, go check out Wesley Matthews' Instagram post. It's a nice shout-out to the team and the fans. Wesley's so great. He's been so great here. Um, Before we boogie, I want to hit this super quick because you saw this too. So I was getting ready for the broadcast in Cleveland, and I'm looking down at my phone reading, and uh, it's an hour before the game, and I hear this crazy eruption of people. I'm like, what in the hell? And it's Luca coming out, and there's, I don't know, a couple hundred fans, and they're wearing Slovenian flags and all this stuff, and they're going bonkers. And I was like, man, that is nuts. Channing his name, I'm like, we're an hour before the game. I didn't know that Cleveland had the largest Slovenian population outside of Slovenia. Me neither. Okay. So I'm like, get real interested in this. And I go over there, and I was like, hey, do you guys care if I take a picture of you? And I take a picture of everybody. And, uh, and then I tweeted out and some guy who's Slovenian says, Hey, that guy on the far left was our first prime minister when we became the Republic of Slovenia in 1990. I was like, what in the hell? (laughs) So I go over there and I try to find him and he's already gone, but he just happened to be in Cleveland. And so he came to the game. And so Luca's over there and they are shaking his hand. And I remember I went over to Hart and I said, Luca's about to put on a show because of all of this. Like, when is the guy ever disappointed when a moment was at hand? That Did, Houston game, by the way, that 11-0 run, yes. that game was broadcast in Europe. Oh, my God. that was I NBA didn't know Europe.
0: Yeah, they moved that game up two hours so that they could show it in okay. Europe. Okay, you're, you're right. That's why it was I, a 5 p.m. tip. And, Gee, that's, and I hadn't thought about that. He rises to the occasion. He
1: rises to the occasion. I told Arby, I go, he's about to put on a rock star performance because of these people that are here. And he goes out and he drops 18. What, he hits seven consecutive shots? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude. Special, Yeah. So freaking special. And it's just so exciting to have that and to bring this podcast full circle, blend it together with Porzingis. Open up my phone after the game on the
0: plane with Porzingis posting to his Instagram videos of Luca dominating. I mean, it's just, it's, dude, on. it's such an exciting time. It's I'm sure, on. I'm sure you can hear it in our voices. Dude, I'm so pumped. Me I know too. you are too. I hope that you, the listener, are because this is, this is the beginning of something pretty special. I think times are going to change here, and uh, I-, I would just leave your April and May's and June's open for the next like ten years. Or good so. call. Good it's, call. It's going to be some good times. So, yep. uh, skin. I got to get to the arena. You got to go on the radio. We'll hear you at uh, three o'clock. 330? We're three to seven today, three to baby. Seven on one hundred and five point three. Before that, you can listen to Mavs Press Conference. That's at 1.30. This is going to be up before then, uh, so definitely check that out, too. Skin, thank you for joining me. Boom. I'm looking forward to the future. I'm, too. It's The gonna future be awesome. is
1: unwritten. Let's write something cool. That's
0: right. All right. Summers on the boards. Whoops.